Hello and welcome in yet again to the 13th edition of American Hammers Radio with your host Tex and the Fresno Irons and the newly appointed champion of D.C., the Nationals' number one fan. Give it up for Zach the Attack. And Zach, I've got a little special something for you here. I know that we uh, we talk soccer on this thing, but uh, unfortunately, if you don't know, um, our boys our boy Zach out there in D.C. is a massive Washington, D.C. sports fan. And, of course, the Nationals pulled off the World Series championship. So, Zach, I, I got to ask, how are you doing right now? I'm confused. I have literally – I mean, when the Caps won it, I was more – I was so confused. I was like, what the hell do I do? D.C. sports has actually won something. And then the Valor won the AFL championship after winning one regular season game, by the way. Um, and then the Mystics came up short in 2018, but won it this year in 2019. And now the Nationals have won it. And it's just kind of like one of those things that I can get used to this. I can get used to, to having celebrations and parades and championship trophies in my, in my town after literally not having won most of my entire life because the Redskins have sucked for as long as I have lived. Well, I'm going to tell you this. It was a pretty impressive match. Uh, excuse me, I'm in soccer mode. It was a pretty impressive game and series to watch a team win every game on the road. That was impressive. That means, uh, and just just so you know, you did me a favor. Um, as a native Texan, yes, I'm transplanted out here in California. Nothing makes my heart warmer than to see the city of Houston suffer. Because <laughs> From Fort Worth, Texas, which is a rivalry of Houston, all the way back to my high school football days. So anytime the city of Houston can suffer in the sports realm, it's always a great day. So thank you, Washington Nationals. Thank you very much for taking the title away from the Houston Astros. Um, I'm glad, uh, Zach, I'm so happy for you. I I hope that uh, your food tasted better. I hope that you felt like you slept on a cloud last night. But I have to admit, Zach, I'm going to bring you back into reality here. And the fact is, West Ham United continue on their skid. And as you know, this prior weekend, we played Sheffield United. Um, In in my opinion, it was a must-win game. I I said it uh, last week's show. We come out, I asked for changes. We got to see four changes, which is what I predicted would happen. I, I would have liked to have seen six. But we saw four, and the guy that I told you was going to have the impact in the game, and I'm going to take credit here, Zach. Robert Snodgrass comes into the side, plays very well. I knew he was going to um, break his back for the team, do whatever whatever mattered. He gets out there, and wouldn't you know it, he scores a goal. And West Ham all looks right in the world like we're off the schneid. And then... West Ham United, in typical fashion that has now become a trend and it's become a bad habit and it's very, very upsetting. I wish they had, like, you know, uh, addiction groups for losing. I really do because West Ham United, I I, I think, need to start uh, going to these uh, weekly meetings because it's very frustrating when a ball gets hit at the goalkeeper, hits the ground twice, and still founds its way into the back of the net. It was infuriating. I know that Roberto is not our starting goalie. I understand that. 
But that is an elementary goalkeeping mistake, and I think he has to own that one. And West Ham United end up hearing the final whistle with a 1-1 draw. Um, and I think I, I would admit, Zach, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of walked away from that game feeling like we had lost. Well, so I compared to the week before where we lost, I think we played a lot better. There's a lot of room for improvement, but we played a lot better, and scoring a goal definitely helped. Offensive, offensively, Alaire, he was looking, we got the ball to Alaire, and Alaire was looking to make a move or pass it to somebody who was open, and there wasn't a chance really anywhere around him, and so he loses possession because he's looking for somebody that he can find in one and one, one and a half seconds um, before it's the defender's ball, and there's nobody. And if there's nobody there, he's going to get frustrated. He's going to get mad, and he's deep and go someplace that plays well with him. And that's why I'm going to be talking about this later, but where you need to change our, our tactics offensively, put someone either directly behind or with him in a tandem because we're not doing that. But defensively, we've looked bad defensively all year, and stuff like this is nothing new. Um, but just the fact that because it's Roberto in, and that plays a role in it, is, is Roberto at fault here? Is Fabianski not being healthy at fault? We're going to talk about that later. But it's we looked a lot better than what we did last week. I will admit that. I, I, I don't say, like, I, I think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors, Zach. We played Sheffield United. They have been the same way all year. They are perfectly happy conceding possession. They do not care if they have the ball. Their whole game is built on beating you on the counter. Um, that was exactly what we fell victim to in that game. And and I, I think, I'm not sure we actually played better. I think we played into the hands of Sheffield United. And here is the most troubling part, Zach. This is the most troubling part. We had multiple opportunities, <laughs> multiple to put that game away, but they also had multiple opportunities to take a lead or even go up by a couple of goals. There was a couple of goal opportunities they had that were they had Roberto dead to rights, and for some some reason they hit it right at the keeper. I, I'm just not sold we played better. I think there is something going on tactically that our guys do not understand, and it's very infuriating. And it, it's scaring me. It's starting to make me worry. Whatever we had done recently looks like at this current moment that it is falling apart. It seems that we don't have the chemistry in the final third. Um, the guys that we're relying on aren't there. I, Lanzini, I don't know what's happened to Lanzini. I don't know if it's the injury. And if it is, goddamn the Argentina national team because they, they just screwed our best player. Um, on the on the other hand, you got guys trying to do more than they should be doing. Um, you know, you part of functioning in anything is doing your job and letting other people's do theirs. And I feel like we have guys running into other people's areas. We have guys trying to take on too many too many other players and run past them, and they're not using. There, there's no chemistry in the team, Zach. So I I need you to calm me down here, but. I'm not sold we played better. Having the majority of possession against Sheffield United, they want you to have that. But there was too many good opportunities for them to score goals, and there was too many opportunities for us to score goals that we didn't capitalize on. I mean, very poor shots, not taking shots. What has happened in the final third, Zach? We're not even taking some of these shots. Well, so there was a play in the second half. It was Anderson had the ball, and it was going up. He had... I think it was Snodgrass on the 
uh, to his right, and then Alaire up front. Alaire was being was being marked, but Snodgrass there was an opening in Snodgrass, and what Anderson does is he doesn't play, he doesn't press Y and play a through ball. He presses A and passes it directly next to him. You can't do that. You had a wide open net. If you pass it to Snodgrass, Snodgrass would have gone on, and the defender would have gotten off of Alaire, and Alaire would have been open, and you could have made a pass or even hit it off the pipe and have Alaire headed home. And that would have been beautiful. That would have been the play of the day in my mind. But no, because of the because of the fact that Anderson did not chose the wrong passing method, we didn't even get a shot on net. And well, we got a shot on net, but it went wide. And the announcers even said he should have played a through ball there. What are you doing, Anderson? What the hell are you doing? Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. But the, the the thing that's concerning me, Zach, is where's the la- where's the lack of uh, killer instinct there? It's I mean, there's you know. We have to be clinical in the final third. We're not. So if you're not clinical in the final third, you have to do it in bunches. So you got to send balls at the net, and we're not doing that. We're not taking shots, and it's it's scary because a team like Sheffield United, we should run them off the pitch. Yeah. That should be a 3-0-4-1 win every single time um, because we're I'm expecting a better class than they are. I, we said it last week. There's not one guy on their team that we fear. There's not one guy on their team that we want to pull off their team and put in straight into ours. And that's what's frustrating. We have guys on the pitch that are world-class players, world-class, and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're not working together. And there, there are things that are just incredibly frustrating. So I, I got to ask you this question. What did you like from the match? Obviously, you know, I'm frustrated, but what did you like that you saw? Let's try to be positive for a minute. What did you like that you saw from West Ham United against Sheffield? That we scored and that we had more shots on net than we did the week before. Well, more shots total, I should say, than the week before. The fact that we were getting more shots on net, it signs that things are starting to improve and get better. And the fact that we can only cap- we capitalized on one of them is great news. It means that things are turning around, but we need more. You can't win a game 1-1. Well, actually, no, Russia did win a game 1-1 against England in 2016, but that's a whole other story. But we need to start to play better. We need to be better in the final third, be better in the third. Because right now, the only thing we're good in is the middle third, and you can't score in the middle. Well, it's extremely, extremely rare to score from the middle third. Let's put it that way. It is. It is. I've only seen it done once in FIFA. And like three times in real life. And none of them have been in England. So let's be real here. Let's need to figure out how to get better in the front half. And I think a lot of it has to do with putting somebody up with a layer and putting and giving a somebody to pass it back to, to um, kind of like a, like, you know, have you seen, um, what's the movie with Jackie Moon, Will, Will Ferrell, the ABA movie? Oh, that is, uh, that is semi-pro. Yes, thank you. So, like, there's a scene in the very beginning where Jackie Moon's calling for the ball and passes it back. Calls for the ball, passes back. Calls for the ball, passes back. We need that. We need a Jackie Moon type. And that's what a layer can be. But we're not letting a layer do that because there's nobody to pass the ball to. He gets the ball. And he tries to put it back. And it's out of bounds. Going the other way. What the hell? No, we need somebody up there to pass the ball to. To him to pass the ball to. To him to work in tandem with. Because if you can get somebody to work in tandem with him, then I think we are offensively, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fun time. I'm I'm gonna tell you what I like from the match. Okay. One Snodgrass. 
Robert Snodgrass comes on, does exactly what I told you he was going to do. He's going to work his socks off. He's going to put in a shift. And when he's done, he's going to look like a broken soul. And and the best part of the game that I was upset about, and I'm going to get into this here in a minute, was when we were uh, – Snodgrass was poised to take a corner, and his reaction to being subbed off at that moment made me so happy because he is the guy – that wants to be on the pitch so bad that it pisses him off when he gets taken off. I didn't agree with that substitution anyway, but I'm telling you right now, the only bright spot in that game for me was Robert Snodgrass. He was the only one because he's the only one that consistently put in a shift, hustling all over the pitch, doing whatever he had to do. So I asked you what you liked. Um, you know, you like the fact that we scored a goal. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that sentiment. I like the fact that uh, we had Robert Snodgrass out there, who I think is the right guy to bring in at this time. What did you not like from the game? What bothered you? Defensively, the fact that we, as you said, you alluded to this earlier, the fact that we um, let the ball bounce twice before getting to Roberto, and you need to clear those. You, you need to clear those. You can't allow balls to bounce twice like that and expect the ball to not be in the back of the net. And it's frustrating because the defense has been very lackadaisical. I was just watching the highlights before we started recording this, and there was there were moments that it was not good. And the fact that we're having guys like Anderson um, come back and be in the box where they shouldn't be in the box. They should be outside the box on the points to – Sprint downfield when a ball gets out, when someone when they get the ball and to clear the ball, and so they can get the ball and run a counterattack the other way. But that's it's frustrating. Be, I mean, I understand you're trying to play a high line, and I do know that Sheffield that Sheffield's got a goal called back because of the high line. But at the same time, it's frustrating because you are trying to defend the ball and you are trying to prevent goals, and sometimes the high line is not the best option. So it's one of those catch twenty twos, you know. I agree, and I, I think um, the moment we signed Pellegrini, I think we all had to accept the fact that we are going to play a high line. He's played that everywhere he's been. Um, I think really, like, this is what I didn't like, Zach. I did not like the substitutions. Uh, I thought last week I criticized Pellegrini for getting it wrong, and he did. This week I think he got it right. The problem was the substitutions he chose to bring on did not keep the, the consistent balance of play that we had. Even though defensively we've been poor, and you've alluded to the fact that we've been poor defensively pretty much the majority of the season, um, We t I feel like this year we're getting away with more bad defensive mistakes than we ever did last year. Last year I felt like every mistake we made ended up in a goal. Yeah. Um, but this year we, we tend to get away with it. I, I don't know if we've been as bad as last year. At times we've looked pretty good defensively. You had more clean sheets by this point at last year. Um, but the thing that I don't like is I, I think it was piss poor on the choices of substitutions. I, I don't understand taking Snodgrass off. I definitely don't understand bringing Fornals on. I don't think Fornals is ready. I think he's a very skillful player and he will be good. But I, I think right now he's proven that he is, does not understand what um, Pellegrini truly wants, and he doesn't understand his role and how to operate with um, who we already have out on the pitch. So the substitutions, I thought, were incredibly poor, um, and I think they ended up hurting us late in the game because I felt like the moment these substitutions happened, we lost possession and we lost our edge 
um, against uh, Sheffield United. And the most poor substitution of all, as much as it pains me to say, probably wasn't Fornells. It was probably Lanzini. Lanzini came on, and I think they called his name once. <clears throat> it was very frustrating because somebody needs to have a come-to-Jesus with Lanzini, and he, he was one of my favorite players, but there has to be a come-to-Jesus moment with him, and he's going to have to understand what's expected of him and what's not. And if he's not going to live up to that expectation, then you know we have to find a new place for him and we have to get what we can because if as good of a player as he is, we can get money for him. I'm not saying we sell him. I'm saying if this continues, I, I think he's going to force West Ham United's hand. I don't think that there's anything we can do. There really isn't. And because of the money that we're spending to him, like if we if he can't play well, then we're going to need to either A, figure it out, or B, sell him for somebody who can come in and play well because he's not going to like being on the bench and sitting on the bench. He's, in, he, I don't think he, he's not a bench player. And he doesn't, he's never wanted to be a bench player. He believes that he is a starter. He's most happiest as a starter. So it's one of those things that we need to either figure it out or get him gone. And I think between now and it's going to be like that for like, for even for now, I've been saying that we should put him out on loan and get and put him on loan for the next six months uh, and see how well he does on loan because he's clearly not performing well enough here. Okay, so this brings me into the big question of our whole show here. I need to know what is wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna read some stuff to you here, and I want your thoughts, Zach. What is truly wrong with West Ham United? We're gonna get down to the nitty gritty. We're gonna diagnose the problem, and then we're gonna give our prescription on how to solve it. So we were all on an emotional high when West Ham United took down Manchester United and were clearly the best team on the pitch when we won 2-0. Since that game. We lost and got knocked out in the third round of the EFL Cup for Neil. For fucking Neil to Oxford United. That is soul crushing. Okay, that's a soul crushing loss. Then we get on the field against Bournemouth. We're not the best team. We find a way to scratch and claw and get a draw 2 2. We move on. We get up against Crystal Palace 1 0. We concede two goals. Yes, maybe they were VRA. VAR, or whatever the fuck they're calling it these days, um, aided. But nonetheless, we took a 2-1 loss. We wrote that off, said, hey, VAR didn't go our way. We'll be better. We get on the field against Everton, and we are run out of the freaking city of Liverpool. We got the Scousers took all our money. They took it all. The blue side owns everything we have, and we go down 2-0, and it could have been 6-0, and you know it. Then we get on the field against Sheffield United. You and I call for it. It's a bounce-back game. We have to bounce back here. And we end up in a 1-1 draw. And at times, we look like we were going to concede and go down. Very frustrating. We're coming up against Newcastle. Thank God that Andy Carroll is hurt and we don't have to face him. Because if we did, he'd probably score a Hattie. (laughs) My question is this. What is truly wrong with West Ham United? First off, Andy Carroll, the man with glass bones and paper skin. <laughs> SpongeBob reference for all you old people out there. But what's wrong with West Ham? I believe there's a there's there's a two prong. It's a there's a fork in the road on this. There is the 
defensive issue of Fabianski being out when we have Roberto. Don't get me wrong. Roberto has proven that he is a qualified candidate to play goalkeeper. He's played in the Champions League. He played for Olympiacos in the Champions League. He's done well at Olympiacos. But great, the Greek Football League is nowhere near the Premier League. Let's be honest here. And the fact that we have Roberto, who's not – who's I think there may be a communication issue in the back, but he's not playing as well as we expect – as we need him to. And defensively, it shows – and we're being lazy defensively. We're not clearing ball. We're not getting to the ball first. We're not forcing them to take either bad shots or pass the ball back out and to go out and regroup again. It's just not happening. So you need to sit there and wonder, well, gee, maybe we need better defenders. I was saying that very early on in this podcast, so we need better wingbacks. And that may, that's probably a solution come January. But also, Allaire, we're not playing, we're putting Allaire as a lone striker, and he's not a lone striker. He scores best in tandem. And if we don't have anyone directly behind or next to him, he's not going to do well. So we need to figure out what the hell is wrong, if, if, how we can better suit him. Because we, as we talked about in the TIFA football video, if you haven't watched, go watch it. They talk about how Allaire scored as well as he did in Frankfurt and the fact that he had three guys, he had two other guys with him on the front line. And when he gets the ball, he could he, he had the choice to either pass it or shoot or dribble in and shoot. And, and that worked a lot. And that's what we need to do. Even if we just put one other guy up there, um, when we have a very qualified candidates, we could put Felipe Anderson up, we could put Lanzini, we could put Snodgrass, we could put Yermolenko up there. Um, and when Antonio comes back, we can put Antonio up. But we need to figure out what to do with Alayar and how to use him properly because I don't think we are, and it is showing very much. I have to um, respectfully disagree. I'm going to tell you the truth. I think Sebastian Alayar is fine up top. I think he's proven it before we've hit this bad skit of games. He was scoring goals. I think he had three goals in, uh, in a three-game stretch there. Um, I don't think it's that we're using him wrong. I, he, this is my diagnosis, and I'm not – I'm not saying that I'm an expert, but I am. I am an expert. So I'm just going to say this. The clear problem with West Ham United is one word, Zach. It's mm-hmm. trust. There is no trust happening out there on the pitch. You can see it's disjointed play. We don't trust each other to be in certain spots. It's almost like um, as somebody that coaches football, this is the best advice I can say. We're not playing with what I call anticipation. The great quarterbacks in the NFL, they play with anticipation. They throw the ball before the receiver's open. Yeah. When we play out there on the field, we don't play with anticipation because we don't have trust. We wait for the run to see the guy open, and then we end up offsides, or we allow the defender too much time and they intercept the ball. The problem to me is trust. That's my diagnosis with what's going wrong with West Ham United. Now, how do you fix that? It's very simple. You put- Ooh, I, know, I, know, I know. Hang on. Trust falls. Lots and lots of trust falls. Anyways, sorry. The way you fix that very simply, Zach, is this. You put guys on the pitch who are going to do their job, and you don't put guys on the pitch they are going to try to do more. That's Philippe's issue right now. Great player, but somebody's got to tell him, do your job, stay in your lane, because we have good quality players. (laughs) This is the thing. People love to shit on Mark Noble because of things that he does at times. And I understand he's not the most skillful player in the world, but I'm going to tell you right now, Mark Noble 
is trying to throw those passes through where guys should be, where guys should be making those runs. He's trying to make that extra creative pass, and I appreciate that. But what I do not like is the fact that everybody else looks at Mark Noble like he's the problem. No, the clear-cut problem here, without question, is the fact that we are not trusting each other out there on the pitch. And it's something that has to change in order for us to get better. And it's uh, it's infuriating. It really is. But that is my diagnosis and my prescription for West Ham United. Start to play with anticipation. Pellegrini, put guys on the pitch that are going to trust each other and going to do their job. Don't I, I would love it in this next game if he doesn't even sub anybody. He just plays with the 11 men he puts out there and goes, it's all you guys because I can't trust anybody coming in off this bench. Uh, you know what? I would be in favor of that. I would, honest to God would. And and see how that goes because if we do well in the first half, then I even though it's Newcastle, I think we found what we need to go with for the now. And when if something a problem starts to grow, then we'll fix the problem when it happens. But we need to go something that has been working right now. And but I think we need I honestly think we need to change the formation to give a layer somebody to play with. Because he's he can't do it by himself. I, I respectfully disagree, but if you end up being right, I will uh, I will tell you that I'll be a Nationals fan for about seven minutes. Hey, hang so, on. We're in Fresno. Fresno's a AAA affiliate of the Nationals, so... There's a reason I don't go to the AAA games anymore, Zach, so you just brought it up. Wait a minute. The first time we did, our, did this podcast together, you were wearing a Fresno Grizzlies cap. So I'm calling you out. I'm calling your bullshit out. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I don't know what you saw. Um, I think you were clearly wrong. Um, you have a lot of curls in that hair, so I'm sure that maybe your hair got in the way and it looked like a Grizzlies hat, but possibly not. Yeah, uh, so here is the deal. We obviously now have um, a ton of pressure coming up on this game. Um, we take on Newcastle. We get them at home. Um, it's uh, a Newcastle team that's interesting. Um, I don't necessarily think they're good, but at times this year, they've had some decent results. They obviously have a manager who um, is, uh, I don't know how popular is up there, but he's got a track record as being a guy that gets the team to play for him, and that's Steve Bruce. So when we look at the, the fight in Steve Bruce's when they come down from Newcastle and head into the London Stadium, we've got an interesting game ahead of us. And so I'm going to open it up to you first. What is your prediction for this game? So Newcastle is currently 17th with nine points, and West Ham is currently 10th with 13 points. And but we're tied for set on um, tied for seventh with Manchester United on points. We're only behind on goal differential, which I'm thrilled by. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and last last year we beat um, beat Newcastle um, 3-0 and 2-0. Um, so, honestly, this is a team that's very beatable. I expect us to win this game. I expect us to hammer home Newcastle. And But if we look at Newcastle's form in the past five games, a draw to Wolves, a loss to Chelsea, a win against Manchester United, and then again, who hasn't beat them, uh, a 5 no loss to Leicester, and then a draw, a nil-nil draw at Brighton against Brighton. So, I mean, they're a very beatable, beatable team. Don't get me wrong. We can beat them. We know how to beat them. But 
We need to show that defensively we can stop them, and offensively we can put balls on the back of the net because you can't win games without balls on the back of the net. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a clear-cut game that West Ham United will win. Um, the things that um, are, are concerning me is we, we have to show it up in the back, and maybe we go three at the back, maybe we don't. I don't know. But um, I would really like to see um, us have three center backs out there on the pitch. I'd like to have Balbuena, Diop, and uh, Agbana. And the reason why is because I think at this point you have enough quality going forward that you can sacrifice a guy against Newcastle. And I would rather sure up that we don't give up the cheap goal. Like that, that's what's been killing us is giving up the cheap goal has really cost us a lot of points and position in the table. So I'm curious if that's something that we do. I'm not sure. But what is your scoreline prediction? We've both, both got them as a win. What do you predict as the win? So, actually, I like the concept of having three center backs. I think that's something that should be explored. And I think this week is the perfect opportunity to do it, considering the fact that we're playing a Newcastle team that's not that great. Um, what is your score prediction? Anyway, so my score prediction I'd say it's going to be 3-1. I think Allaire is going to be able to get something from a corner piece. Um, I think Anderson is going to score one. And then Joker's wild. I honestly think Snodgrass is going to do it again. Go back to back. I love that prediction. I have us going 3-0. And the reason why is I think I think that West Ham, um, I think they were prepared to play in that game. I think the substitutions really screwed us. And I think West Ham, you're not going to have two weeks in a row to be that poor um, in the final third with your finishing. And I think they'll find a way, I really do, to go out there and get three goals. And I think that uh, Roberto's got a little bit of a dog in him, and he's going to be pissed off at the goal he conceded against Sheffield United. And I don't think anything's going to get by him. I think he's going to be a stonewall back there. My goal scores, I agree with you. I think Sebastian Haller gets back on the uh, score sheet, but I think he gets on twice. Um, I was very, I felt very poor. Uh, I felt very bad for him. Um, he was visibly pissed off. And I think that's concerning because we, we have to change and we have to uh, play to his skill set. Like you agree. I still think he's okay on a, on his own up front, but we have to play to his skill set because you're not going to go spend 45 million on a player and then not play to their skill set. So I think that you absolutely have to do that in order to change um, his attitude right now, because I think his attitude is is starting. He may be asking those questions in his head. Did I do the right thing by signing for West Ham United? And I think he's going to get on the score sheet twice. And I have Robert Snodgrass getting on again. And the reason why is because the one thing Snodgrass does better than anybody else on that team is he does his job and he plays inside his role and he hustles his ass off. And I love everything about it. So. I agree with you. I, I think it is going to be a big win. I have us winning 3-0. You have it 3-1. Um, you have three different goal scores. I think Hilaire is going to get on the score sheet twice. Um, knowing that score prediction there, uh, let's go into who is your man of the match. Um, I think it's going to be Mark Noble. I think Mark Noble is going to have, make some great defensive stoppages and get clear, great clears of the ball. That he's going to earn himself man of the match. and He's not going to, he's not going to play the full match, but he's going to have a hell of a match. And it's I, like I, I love the fact that you've gone with Nobes. I love the fact that you've gone with Nobes. Nobes is the man, but unfortunately, you are clearly wrong. It will be Robert Snodgrass, and ro the reason is is uh, 
We are going to have the Scotsman, the Scottish Messi, is going to do it again. Um, I, I just, I, there's something about this guy when he comes into the side. Um, I think he picks everybody else up. He's just a great dude. And, you know, I think his teammates love him, especially when he's yelling at the uh, doping agency, telling them to fuck off because they're taking too long, which I absolutely love that he does. So um, we, we talked about some possible changes we'd like to see. I'd like to see three at the back. Is there any changes that you would like to see? Um, no, other than three at the back, I'd like to explore that. No. Well, for a very rare occurrence, and this is only, I think, the third time in the history of the American Hammers Radio, we are in agreement there. All right. Everybody's uh, favorite part of the show. Um, it's time for our yellow and red cards. Do you have a yellow card, Zach? Yes, I do. Who are you giving your yellow card to? Actually, it's to the, um, to the FA. I did not realize this. I was watching the Leicester City, the Leicester... Um, blowout in the 9 nothing win on Friday, and they had the VAR referee as Mike Dean. And I didn't, I had no idea that the VAR referees were actual referees in the, in the Premier League. I thought that they were completely separate from the actual referees, and they were um, completely different, and they were kind of like the situation room in Toronto in the NHL, where those aren't NHL referees, they are video officials only, and they are separate. They are part of the referees' union, but they are not considered to be referees. They don't wear the zebra stripes, and if they were to be called into a game, they well, they can't be called into a game because all they're doing is looking at monitors and monitoring the situation from the literal situation room in Toronto. That's their job. Um, but I thought it was like one of those things. Not an actual physical referee is on call, waiting and watching the game. And I would like to. I would like to see. I'd like to see him move away from the physical refs, so you have the physical refs actually can do stuff on Saturdays and Sundays, like refereeing games, instead of having, um, instead of having, instead of stretching the ranks thin and have a whole separate governing body, well, reviewing bodies that have, may have no connection whatsoever to the teams playing, and that way they're impartial. impartial. Or we just go with robots. <laughs> Well, my yellow card, Zach, goes to myself. Um, last night, I made a decision to not record the American Hammers radio because I wanted to allow you to watch your uh, Washington uh, Nationals in peace. And also, I had a date that ended up uh, – I got stood up, Zach. It was sad. It was Ooh, very sad. I got stood up. It's okay, though. I ate both meals, and it was great. So I'm fine with that. Um, let's, uh, let's go into our red card. Who was your red card for? Hmm. I haven't really thought about it. Oh, yeah, My Chemical Romance. My Chemical Romance announced today that they are coming back for the first time in seven-plus years and doing a reunion show on December 20th in L.A. And tickets are 150 bucks a piece. It's not the fact that they're 150 bucks a piece that bothers me. The fact that they're in a venue that's 6,300 seats, and it's all the way out in fucking Los Angeles. I know that the band's an L.A.-based band, and most of them are L.A.-based, but come on. At least have a show in L.A. and a show in New York. That way you get both sides of the country. Because there's a lot of people out there that want to see them. Like me, I want to see them again. I saw them once in 07. Fantastic show. I'm really hoping there's more to come from this fan. I just got the link today, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And the tickets go on sale tomorrow, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Why does it have to be Christmas time? 
I really should give my red card to you because you listen to my chemical romance. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you. I absolutely should. I'm going to not do that. I'm going to be nice. Um, I know that uh, I just didn't realize you had, um, you know, the issues with your father. I didn't understand, you know, uh, maybe that's why you listen to my chemical romance. My first iPad, my first iPod in 2008 and my chemical romance was big in 08. Um, also, we had season tickets to Meriwether Coast Pavilion, which is a big out, outdoor amphitheater out, out, out here over in Columbia, which is about a 30-mile drive from my house now. Um, and so that was one of the tickets that my parents were like, hey, you want to go see this band? I was like, uh, okay. It was a really impressive show. They, they're great performers on stage. And you can you can say all the things you want to say, Zach. You're not going to sell me on my chemical romance. I'm just I'm just going to let you know right now. But I I will say this, dude. You're much older than me. So what were you doing in 2008? Uh, not I wasn't making good decisions. I'll tell you that much. Um, uh, I will tell you this. I, I want to give my red card to you bad, but I'm not going to. I got to give it to Roberto, our goalkeeper. Uh, a ball hits the ground twice, bro. You got to make that stop. You've got to make that save. Like that is not something that should get into the back of the net. That one moment is going to end up haunting me all season, especially if we finish eighth and, and one point out of seventh. And I'm going to remember that game against Sheffield when all he had to do was play it like a smart goalkeeper and he keeps that ball out of the net. That's my red card. Um, it's time for Zach's favorite part of the show. Zach, give us your shameless plugs. So Zach's trunk share Christmas is literally around the corner. It is going to be November by the time you're listening to this. And Christmas is less than two months away. You need to do Christmas shopping. You have friends, you have family, you have coworkers, you have relatives, and they all need Christmas gifts. Trunk show is your go-to spot for sports stuff. You want jerseys? I got jerseys. You want hats? I got hats. You want scarves? I got scarves. You want pennants? I got some pennants. I got a bunch of sports stuff to sell. So go, go find me. I'm on eBay. I'm on Posh. I'm on a bunch of sites, Google Zach Strunk Show, follow my Instagram, and keep up to date with what I'm posting and what I'm selling, because there's a lot of for me to sell. There you have it. The shameless plugs are in. The only shameless plug that I have is if you find yourself in Fresno, California, why don't you come on out and hang out with Fresno's finest, the Fresno Irons will be in action this Saturday, 7 a.m. Oh, excuse me. We have an 8 a.m. start out here. Yeah. What? beauty we have an 8 a.m start this saturday come on down to the pub have a pint with fresno's finest and uh cheer on the mighty hammers for zach hang on hang on, hang on. time out, time out. this is a state spot this is uh not state sponsor what, what is this this is a company sponsored thing we have merchandise we have american hammers radio merchandise so go buy our stuff we have shirts we have we have hats we have stickers we have pins we have um sweatshirts we have blankets you can get american hammers radio on a blanket that is so cool to me so we get buy our stuff we have a bunch of stuff put a sticker on your car put a sticker on the back of a stop sign put a sticker on the o in the stop sign we don't care put a sticker where you want to put a sticker and stickers come in all all shapes and size well one shape and all sizes there we go company sponsored pitch for Zach, <laughs> this is Tex out here in Fresno. I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you to Tim and Lee for providing us the opportunity to do this uh, platform for you. Again, if you want to get involved with the show, message myself um, at Tex Lovin or at Fresno Irons. Either one is fine. Um, hit us up or you can hit up Zach. 
Um, Zach from DC. Zach, how can they get in hold of you if they want to? So Twitter and Instagram are all the same. It's Wikipuff88, W-I-K-I-P-U-F-F-88. Either tweet me or Instagram message me, and we can work something out. And always remember, if the show sucks, tell us about it sucks, and we'll try to do more to piss you off. We all do the best we can. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and as always, come on, you are.